scripture comes this morning from the first book of Samuel, otherwise called the first book of the kings. First Samuel, we'll be reading from chapter 1 and into chapter 2. Now there was a certain man of Ramathayam, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, prayed to the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget mine handma- thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought that she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit, I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, 
but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came unto their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son, and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth good to thee, tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine, and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli, and she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, mine horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none besides thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly, let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. And they that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raised up the poor out of the dust and lifted up the beggar from the dog hill 
to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Our text is verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his word again this morning. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, today is called Mother's Day. And although it's not a day designed as such by the Bible or by the church, yet we do well to pause and reflect on what Scripture does say about mothers or godly mothers. And look at this godly example of a mother today also. Yes, boys and girls, teenagers, may you appreciate your Christian mothers What a wonderful gift God has given to us. All people have mothers in common, don't they? Except two people. Adam and Eve did not have a mother. We give thanks to mothers that give birth to us and brought us up in the world, especially in a day in which abortion continues. We recognize how happy we are in godly mothers that look forward to having children and spend their time, give themselves to raise them. Christian parents, how important they are for us. And may we learn some things from godly Hannah. Notice with me, first of all then, Hannah's petition, her distress, Hannah's prayer, and the church's need for Hannah's. Hannah was in distress. Hannah and her husband lived during the period of time of the judges, and that was a very difficult time in the history of Israel. We read in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, in those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. In other words, God's people did not live as God commanded them to. They did not worship as they should have. There was moral and there was spiritual decadence. It is at that time that Elkanah lived. And he was a Levite who lived in Ephraim. He had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. 
And it's obvious that the Lord had closed up Hannah's womb, and therefore Elkanah took a second wife, namely Peninnah, to have children, which she does. She had sons and she had daughters, and she was proud. She was very proud. That did not help the situation, but aggravated the problem in the home. And God always brings problems in those homes where there is polygamy. Think of the different biblical examples of where trouble was in the home because of polygamy. God gave one woman to Adam, and that was Eve, not plural women. Elkanah and Hannah represent a godly home. One of the few in the apostate Israel. That they were God-fearing is evident from the fact that they worshipped annually at the tabernacle in Shiloh. Not many came there to worship anymore, and finally it comes completely to a close. We read in the second chapter, verse 17, Wherefore the sin of the young men, Hophni and Phinehas, was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. The Israelites had no more use for worshiping at the tabernacle in Shiloh because of the sins that were taking place there. But here is a godly family even though there's sin in the church, there they go up as they are commanded to Shiloh to worship every, every year. So it's a godly home, but notice with me, second of all, it's not without trouble. Serious trouble. Sin doesn't leave our families alone, does it? There was jealousy and there was hatred. There was bickering. And yes, Elkanah brought this down on himself and his family with his polygamy. There he loves one more than the other. He shows favoritism. And here is Hannah's distress. Although she is loved and she is favored by her husband, she has no children. And from a natural point of view, we can understand that God-fearing women such as Hannah want children, children that they can love, children that they can care for, children that they can laugh and cry with, children to enjoy. Yes, those without children weep, for that is a very difficult thing to accept. And so, even though we can't this morning enter into the sorrow of a godly wife that cannot have children, we do feel with them, we hurt for them, or Christian couples that would like to have children but cannot. Trouble in the family. Bitter trouble. We live in a sick, sad world in which the world sacrifices babies in abortion. Or other, chil- other couples don't want many children in their life. They see them as an unwanted burden. Young singles 
God has given you a place here in the church. Young couples with no children, you do have children in God's family here. But we might ask the question, why? Why does God give children to some and not to others? It is something that's hard to accept. God's ways are past finding out, aren't they? But there's more to her sorrow. Not only could she not have children, the Lord had closed up her womb, but we have to remember that she lived there in the Old Testament days. She could not give children to her husband, children by which the inheritance in the land would be passed on to. And if there's no children, then it would be given to someone else. And therefore, Elkanah sinfully takes another wife in order to have children. And there's the trouble. The jealousy, the hatred because of Elkanah's favoritism of his first wife, Hannah. And so Peninnah holds that over Hannah's head, doesn't she? God doesn't love you. It's obvious God doesn't love you. God doesn't care for you. He doesn't give you children like I have. And she would especially do that as they went up to God's house to worship. So that for Hannah, instead of being a joyous occasion and celebration, there was difficulty in her soul. Hannah desires children. And you and I desire children. Not just children, but we desire covenant children, don't we? We want children not only after our flesh, but we want regenerated children. Children who know and who love the Lord. And as the Lord gave Hannah such a child that she prayed for, God also is pleased to give us as a church children. As God did a wonder work, Samuel was a wonder child, a gift from God. God opened up her womb. So God does that same miracle with our covenant children, the elect. He gives them a new heart in regeneration. Wonder children. But even that is not Hannah's full distress or trouble. For you see, Hannah wants not just a child or even a covenant child. She does not ask for a baby girl. But verse 11, she says, give me a son. And when Samuel is born, she says, I have asked the Lord for him. What's going on here? Not just a child. She wants a son. You see, she is a woman of faith, like Sarah, like Rebecca, like the mother of Samson, like Elizabeth. She was looking for the Messiah to come. She has a care for the kingdom of God which at this time was in serious trouble in Israel. There was rampant apostasy. Everyone doing what was right in their own eyes. There was no king yet in Israel. 
and God had shut up her womb. You see, Elkanah and Hannah was a small, part of a small minority in Israel. Many did not wait or look for a Messiah anymore. They didn't come to the tabernacle to pray and to worship. But instead, as Eli supposes of Hannah, many were drunken. The carnal and the ungodly were in charge at that time in Israel. There's just one office, and that was the office of priest. And that priesthood was corrupt and would soon come to an end. And over against that lack of spiritual leadership, God is promising through Hannah to give a son, a special son, who would be that kind of spiritual leader. The book of Samuel is very important in there. It stands between the judges, which were sporadic, temporary helps, and finally the establishment of a kingdom. First of all, Saul, and later on, the godly king, David. Samuel is given there to be a judge over Israel. He is there as a priest of the Most High, and he is also there as a prophet who would establish the line of prophets. There would be schools of prophets that Samuel would lead and instruct. So in this time of apostasy, this, this was Hannah's distress. In verse 15, she is a woman who was deeply troubled. There was not a godly spiritual leadership any longer for God's people. She was concerned about the kingdom of God. That brings me then to a second point. Hannah was a woman of faith. She didn't throw her hands up in the, in the air in despair or anger or bitterness. No, the greater the trouble, the more fervently and the more earnestly she seeks the face of the Lord. Hannah prays as she explains to Eli, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Let me stop there just a second. Does that characterize your prayers? Brothers and sisters, children, young people. Not just folding the hands and closing the eyes and repeating some phrases, but are you pouring out your soul to the Lord in dialogue to the Lord, waiting for him to respond to hear your prayers? I was pouring out my soul. That refers, beloved, to intense, humble, and earnest imploring of God. She was wrestling with God just as Jacob wrestled with God at the Jabbok River. She was in bitterness of soul, weeping, begging God for this special child. But her prayer was not just a prayer. Her prayer was also then a vow. She's praying for a special son. She vows that if God gives her this son, she in return will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. 
if a Levite, which he would have been, from his 25th birthday, he would serve in the tabernacle service. But she's asking for more than just a special son. She's calling and asking for a Nazarite son. As she explains, one who would not shave the hair or cut the hair of his head, would not drink wine or strong drink or touch a dead body. You see, a Nazarite, by his life and by his appearance, he testified to Israel that they also must come out of the world of sin and consecrate themselves to the service of God. It's for that child that Hannah prayed. What a prayer of faith. She asks for a son who would be a picture of the true spiritual Israel, not just an outward believer, but a true son of God who by his life would call God's people out of the world and its corruption to serve Jehovah. So Hannah prays for a child, for a true child of God, a believer, an elect seed saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, Thirdly, a Nazarite, a spiritual leader. She prays that because at this time there is great apostasy. Eli, a godly but very weak father, he lightly disciplines his children or calls them to repent of their wickedness but does not discipline them. And a young man there making unholy the sacrifices. They were not satisfied with what was apportioned to the priest. They said, we don't want it all boiled. Give us our meat first. And they would take for themselves the best meat. But not only that, but also sleeping with the women who were serving there at the tabernacle. Yes, the people of Israel had no use for the tabernacle worship any longer and were abandoning it. For the sake of God's people, Israel, the Old Testament church, Hannah is praying for a strong spiritual leader. Not a a selfish prayer at all. She would have this child for about maybe three years to have and to hold, and then she would give him to the Lord. You notice there in verse 11, she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. And if you still have your Bibles open, notice verse 28. It's not translated the best in our authorized versions here. We read there, Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. That word lent is, could better be translated, I have given up. I have handed over. Therefore I have given over him to the Lord as long as he liveth. 
he shall be given over to the Lord. In other words, Samuel is no longer a son of Hannah, but rather he becomes a son of God. God is his father. He is given unto the Lord. Now, some Nazarites would be Nazarites just for a certain period of their life for, for this purpose or that purpose to be assigned to Israel. <coughs> but you'll notice in her vow, I give him unto the Lord forever. A Nazarite for life. What a child this is. God did great things through this child. Samuel was that spiritual leader that Israel so badly needed. He is the last judge of Israel. In other words, Samuel and Samson lived at the same time, and the deliverance that Samson began to give Israel from the Philistines, it is Samuel by the Lord brings complete victory. He is a priest who sacrifices for God's people. And he is the first prophet after Moses. The prophet who speaks for the Lord. The Lord speaks to him and he brings God's word in the school of prophets that has begun. And it is this man, Samuel, leading God's people that brings them their first king, Saul, the kind of king that Israel wanted. But notice, it is Samuel also that anoints the true king, David. David, who is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. This vow and God's answer to that vow of Hannah is ultimately a picture of Christ Jesus who is to come. That is of what Samuel is a picture. Jesus Christ, our prophet, our priest, and our king. Yes, through this man, God is going to give that spiritual leadership to his church. Whereas in Judges we read, that everyone did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king in the land, God is going to remedy that. In David, in the line of David, and in our Lord Jesus Christ. Samuel, indeed, is God's son. And all that in answer to a young woman, Hannah, who believed and who prayed earnestly, who brought her request unto the Lord, and he answered her. And therefore the name Samuel, asked of from the Lord, or another meaning for Samuel, heard by the Lord. And doesn't that characterize his whole life? For you'll remember when Samuel is still a young man in the temple, the Lord comes to speak to this son of his, Samuel, Samuel. And when finally corrected three times by Eli, 
Samuel says, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. What a special son. And when saying that, O beloved, all of our elect children are wonder children, aren't they special? Special because they are the Lord's. The Lord lays claim upon them. The Lord has given them unto Jesus Christ in eternity to be their Savior. Our covenant children are precious and therefore young couples, Christian couples, desire to have children. Don't try to limit the number of children so that they can have more of the world's goods. But young couples desire these children and godly mothers pour themselves out for those children, don't they? They pray for those children. They weep for those children when they are rebellious or rebel or go against God. They give themselves as Hannah gave herself here for this special son, this wonder child, the one by God's miracle because God opened up her womb and she bore a son, Samuel. That brings me to my third point. Oh, how the church needs Hannah's today. On this Mother's Day, I chose this pericope of Scripture because Hannah was a worthy example of godly mothers. What a thing for her to do to give her son to the tabernacle worship. Why do I say that? Not only he wouldn't be in the home, he gives, she gives him over when he's still young, when she has no other children yet. But she gives them over to tabernacle service in which there are wicked men in that tabernacle. So wicked that the women are defiled that are around the tabernacle and the sacrifices are debased. And she now gives her son to the Lord in that situation, that circumstance of that kind of sin and apostasy right there at the tabernacle what a thing to do but she trusted him to the lord in his care and now we step to this day today when apostasy abounds when not only scriptural doctrines are denied but scripture itself is denied as the word of man in the word of god And you can pick and choose what you think is the word of God and what is the word of men. When God's word is twisted to say whatever men want it to say, so that beautiful friendship between David and Jonathan is now characterized as a homosexual relationship. Shame on those who dare take God's word and twist it for their own likes. Ungodly living abounds outside of the church, but even inside the church where elders and pastors abuse God's 
children doing terrible things. It seems like nothing is considered wrong or sinful anymore. And some godly parents might say in despair, do I dare bring children into the church today? Will they be molested or will they be led astray? Perhaps there are those who would like to throw up their hands in despair, saying, what's going to happen to the church? Will God's will triumph? Will God's cause triumph? And beloved, the answer is yes. Do not despair of the church just because there's sin in the church. There's always been sin in the church. The church is fallible in her decisions and what she says. We believe that there is a church, but we do not believe in the church. We believe in God, the triune God. And God cannot fail. And God's church, which is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, will not come to an end. Yes, there will be a small remnant, but there will always be a remnant to the end times till Jesus comes again. Beloved, God's promises are sure and true. They will not fail. God will provide for his church. And God provides through his church through means, through godly mothers and godly homes where children are taught and trained to know God and to serve him. God will provide these children, not just children of the, of the flesh, but spiritual children who love the Lord. God saves, doesn't he, in the lines of generations. We need those children of the coming generations. We rejoice when our young mothers in the church are expecting and give birth to a child. Because God continues to love and to gather his church in the lines of our generations. What joy it is then for parents to see their children walking in faith and obedience and for grandparents then to see their children's children serving the Lord in the generations. We need children, spiritual children, who by God's grace will grow up to be elders and deacons and Sunday school teachers and Christian school teachers and pastors. We need children, spiritual children, who are dedicated to the Lord's service. The church needs these godly children who will become faithful fathers and mothers to the next generation. The church needs these spiritual children who will become saints defending God's cause, fighting the good fight of faith, running the race that is set before them, living to the glory of God and seeking God's kingdom like Hannah did. She had a compassion, she had a care, an urgent request for God's kingdom. Do you, beloved, pray for those kind of children? 
Are your families, are your marriages formed by what you selfishly want? Whom? How many? Or do you plan your families by seeking God's will? What does God want of us? The church needs these very special children. It needs sons who are given to the Lord to serve him all of their life. We know, don't we, at this time, the great need that we have for pastors in our churches, some nine of the churches now vacant. Do you pray for those kind of sons as a family? even as we do as a congregation in our congregational prayer. We need pastors who open up God's word for us and for our children and for our grandchildren. We need pastors to go as missionaries to preach the gospel to many different groups and people and races and tongues. The Lord needs these spiritual children, believing children, so that there will be sons for spiritual leadership. Yes, as Hannah vowed that she would give this son to the Lord. What an example it is for godly mothers and fathers in the New Testament dispensation who also speak vows, don't they? Willing vows. Rearing children in the fear of the Lord. Vowing that they will live in godliness. Vowing willingly that they will be faithful in their marriages and in their homes. Faithful in their membership in the church. In a church that displays the true marks of the true church. Vows that New Testament Christians keep at a loss even for themselves, even as Santa, Hannah willingly gave up her son to the Lord. That's why not only does the church need these godly children, elect children, the church needs these godly mothers, Hannah's. Hannah's that are concerned about God's church. Godly women who humbly beg and implore God for these sons and daughters who believe in him, who will work in his service. The church needs God-fearing, pious mothers. What an example of godly mothers in the New Testament Influencing good in the covenant kingdom of God like Hannah did. Children of the covenant. All of our covenant children. Boys and girls, hear this from the word of God. You are God's gift to godly mothers and fathers. Hear this, you are important to the church. Let none of you as young men or young ladies or boys and girls think that you're not important. Very important. 
And the church gives thanks for these elect children. And so the church needs not only these children, needs not only these kind of godly mothers and parents, but the church needs these kind of prayers of Hannah. Young women, look for godly men if you're going to marry. And young men, look for godly women before you marry. A spouse that you can pray with. A spouse that you read God's word with. A spouse that you go to church with, with your whole family. Young men, you need that kind of wife. Young ladies, you need that kind of young man. Better to be unmarried than to be married to an unbeliever. You need that kind of a spouse who will walk by your side, cheerfully helping you and fervently praying for the cause of Jesus Christ. On this Mother's Day, Mothers, the church needs you. The church needs your fervent prayer for your children that they may be dedicated to our God. Praying for those children, praying on behalf of those children. Hannah, in her distress, she prayed to God. She poured out her soul to the Lord, and the Lord wonderfully answered her. Her womb was opened, and in chapter 2, with Eli's word to her as she comes back again, the blessing that God would give her more sons and daughters as she gave willingly her first son to the Lord as the Lord's God gave her five more children. Hannah, whose womb was closed, was opened by the Lord. And our covenant children are then those kind of wonder children. Children that the Lord allows us as sinners to bring into this world and he ones that works that wonder work where those who are by nature dead in sin are made alive in Christ Jesus. God will answer our prayers. Prayers for godly covenant children. Prayers for pastors, Christian school teachers. In this day, perhaps it's difficult for mothers in the church to pray that their son would become a pastor. It's difficult days. Charges hauled up against pastors. It's difficult. But beloved, it's not near as difficult as it was that time for Hannah. Giving her son to the Lord in service at that tabernacle where those ungodly men were living and working. Glorious things in the kingdom or the covenant of God happen still today through the prayers, through the wonderful deeds of godly mothers. Amen. Father in heaven, 
May the prayers continue to rise up before thy throne for these spiritual children to be given to the church. Children whom we give to thee as thy servants, as thy sons and daughters by adoption, thy children. We're thankful, Father, then for godly homes, and we pray that thou wilt protect our homes so that Satan may not try to break those marriages where there are husbands who love their wives and give themselves for their wives and wives willingly submit themselves to their husbands. Homes in which children are thankful for their Christian parents and where Christian parents are diligent in the instruction of their children. We're thankful, Father, for this godly example where the Lord hears the prayers of his people. Yes, asked of the Lord. Amen.